for that. Kobe, man, it is always so obvious on Sunday mornings that, that this fellow is listening to the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want to say that out loud because um, we, I think a lot of times we don't appreciate that enough. Man, I, we really appreciate you, Kobe, tuning into the Holy Spirit. Um, this morning, I want to let everybody kind of get settled for just a second. We've got um, an announcement that we need to make, some things we need to talk about as a body. And so I just want to make sure that everybody is, is gathered up when we do that. So I'm going to kill some time for just a minute and let everybody get their coffee and go to the bathroom and all that. Um, a couple of things uh, before, we, before we dive in this morning. Uh, Glenn called me this morning on the way here. Just let me know he's praying for me, which we, we very much appreciate. Um, but he said that the, the stuff with Dario, he's in Honduras right now. He's, he's finished meeting with, Hondur- with Dario and, and is making his way back home. Um, but things have gone um, way better than even he expected. He said, TGP Honduras is about to explode. Uh, and so, man, that's just such encouraging news. Um, Buddha came up to me this morning, and she went and checked the mail on the way to church, and there was an additional $500 check that was denoted just for Honduras. So again, man, just in all of what God's doing, if you haven't heard the story, um, when, when Glenn and Aaron and the others came back from Honduras, um, and found out that, that Dario was no longer going to be receiving um, his salary from the organization that was supporting him before, we felt like God was saying that we should do that. It was going to cost $600 a month, um, and we did not have $600 a month. Uh, but the elders prayed about it, felt like the Lord was saying, yes, this is something we need to do. So we said, okay, God, we're going to do what you're calling us to do. We don't know how you're going to handle it. This is your money, not ours. Um, and within the week's time, we had the $600 per month of new income, um, not things that were necessarily from our membership saying God's telling me to do this amount, but just some things that God did within our body to to take care of that on a monthly basis. And then here it is, another you know another five hundred bucks showed up in the mail today. So, man, God's just doing some incredible stuff within our body. Um, I want to encourage you guys to just man stay with me today, stay plugged in. God's got a, a good strong word for us today in terms of where He's taking us as a body, and, and I'm really excited about that. But before we do that, um, Aaron, if you would. Come on up. Aaron is, is, well, I'll just let him tell his story, but come on, man. I'm going to go sit down right here while you do your thing. Morning. Um, you know, anytime I get in front of people uh, to speak, man, God puts me in such a place of dependency. I mean, I hate it. I mean, I just, you know, I just like I fall apart, you know. But anyway, it just... Um, Anyway, I believe that, that God wants me to share this with you guys, our, our body, this morning. So just bear with me. I, I made some notes because I, I didn't want to leave out uh, any details. But, uh, Will, thank you for giving me an opportunity. Um, but I want to just share uh, a story. You know, we talk a lot about stories. Um, and our stories, our experiences with God is what defines us uh, not only as a body but individually. But... Um, I want to give you guys this testimony of what's going on in my life. Um, I guess last November, December, um, my wife had noticed that I had a lump on my throat. And um, so she threatened to leave me if I didn't go to the doctor. So uh, I agreed. And uh, so I go to the doctor, and uh, he feels on my throat. Uh, he doesn't run any tests. Just off the cuff, he says, you know, I think you probably have cancer. And so, you know, I said, well, I, I trust God in that, you know, and I wasn't worried about it. But anyway, so I said, okay, thanks. He said, we're going to put you on medicine, and, and uh, we'll just come back see you in six, seven months, see what happens. I said, okay. Well, something that I've 
learned from Henry Blackaby 20 years ago is anytime I encounter a circumstance in my life, I always ask God, what's the truth? Because only God knows the truth. And so I asked God what was the truth about that. Well, uh, for the days and weeks following, God, everywhere I turned, there was something about cancer. I mean, it was on TV. It was on every time I talked to a friend. I mean, it was everywhere. And I know by experience that God was telling me that I, that needs to be in my thinking, that there's a good chance that I'm going to have cancer. And, uh, and follows, he gives me these words. He says, my peace I give to you, let not your heart be troubled. Whatever your circumstances may be, you have been placed in them by God. And he also says uh, that I'm going to heal you. So I mean, okay, I'm good. You know, I take my medicine for six, seven months, whatever. So I go back to the doctor. They run a few more tests, and uh, nothing has changed. Uh, the, the, the nodules are all still there. And uh, he says again, he said, look, I still believe you have cancer. He said, we just need to do surgery and just get this over with. And so I said, all right, I'll get back with you. So I go, I get with God, and I say, God, what do you want me to do from here? And God gives me direction. He tells me to get a second opinion. He reminds me that this is for my glory, not God's glory. And he says this. He says, show yourself to the world. And he reminds me, he says, uh, I'm going to rest restore the health of the afflicted. And so, you know, God telling me to show myself to the world is one of the reasons why I'm here to speaking in front of you guys today so I make I get a second opinion uh, and and through circumstances God speaks I end up going down in South Louisiana and there's a whole lot more to that I have some very close friends down there that I'm living this out in front of them as well and so anyway it's three or four months before I can get in so I get into the doctor and uh, it was last week so he runs tests he does a biopsy and and so um you know, a couple days later, I get a call, and they're like, hey, you need to come down here. We want to talk to you. So I said, okay, I'll be down there. Well, uh, Thursday morning on my way down there, that morning before I left, I was looking in my journal, and I saw where God had spoken. And the word he gave me was, you will joyfully waive your right and allow God to make your choice for you. So God's already starting to prepare me for, for me seeing this doctor. And on the way, right before I left my office, I picked up this CD. I have a bunch of CDs from different uh, ministers or whatever. And so I wanted to listen to it on the way down there. Well, on the way down there, God's speaking to me. And he's giving me this. He's saying um, some of the things he said was he wants the world to watch it happen through you, which is exactly what he told me out of the book of John months ago. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Psalm 27, 14, he says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous, yet wait patiently for the Lord. Okay, so I'm getting it. Then, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the radio, and I hear this preacher speaking of being healed. How the sick will recover, and these signs follow those who believe. And God had already told me he's going to heal me. So he's just reinforcing that. So I'm good, you know. So I see the doctor, and, and he sits me down, and we're talking. He says, look, he said, you've got thyroid cancer, and which I already knew that was coming. I just didn't know. I was very cautious because sometimes the Lord will give us a word about something, and 
we will experience that. We'll go through that. He'll test our heart. He'll test our faith. But then we don't actually have to go through it. And so I didn't know that word that God gave me putting cancer in front of me. I didn't know if that was going to be a test or that was really going to be reality. And so he breaks the news, hey, you got thyroid cancer. And he says, look, uh, you know, from a medical standpoint, um, you know, you need to have surgery. We feel like you should have surgery, which, uh, you know, I shared my faith with him. And I told him, I said, you know, I told him about how I believe that, you know, I wasn't surprised by this diagnosis, that I believe God told me he was going to heal me, and that I was going to ask God what to do. I mean, I'm going to let God tell me what to do next, because if God wants to heal me, then he's either going to heal me through conventional medicine, I'm going to go get a surgery, and I'm going to go about my life, or God's going to do it the other way. He's going to do it without me without conventional medicine and I'm going to give God the opportunity to tell me which one he wants to do I don't want to miss an opportunity for me to experience God in an awesome way like that and for this body and all those that I mean obviously God wants me to draw a crowd okay so uh, so the next morning um, Saturday I'm with God and I said all right God you know what do you want me to do and he gives me Romans 15, 30. He says, strive together with me in prayers to God for me. And, and I believe that's Paul speaking. And the commentary said this. It says, God loves to answer the faithful prayers of believers that are offered on behalf of other believers. Paul frequently asks others to pray for him. God wants us praying regularly for each other. So through that, God spoke this. I want you to, he reminded me, I want you to, to show the world, you know, live this out in front of others, and to share this with the body and to ask them to pray for me, okay? So, you know, here's, you know, we need to ask God how he would want us to pray. And so here's my petition is ask God. God's already spoke he's going to heal me, so I'm asking the body to pray that God will heal me. Ask him to give me direction on what's next. You know, what's next for me? Am I going to just go ahead and have surgery or I'm going to wait on the Lord? I'm going to wait on the Lord, period, because he told me to for the next decision. And the most important thing is that God get the glory. I mean, God told me that, that this was happening for him to get the glory. And so, you know, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to wait on the Lord and I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. And I just would ask that you join me in that. And if God gives you a word, you know, this morning, I, well, I text the elders last night, or this morning, I don't remember, and I told them. And, uh, you know, this morning I met with Will, and I said, hey, man, you know, I was going to share. And he said, man, this morning I was praying for you. Man, God, this is before I told Will anything. He said, man, I believe God gave me a word. He's going to heal you. And I said, yeah, he already told me that, but appreciate it. You know, I do. <laughs> you know, no, really. I do appreciate that. And so my point is this. God may give you a word for me. He means that, I'm sorry. But God may give you a word for me. And, uh, you know, he, spoke, he already gave a word to me through will. And so I appreciate that. But we're going to watch God together. And we're going to see what God does. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that. I appreciate, uh, Will, you let me uh, intervene uh, but anyway, thank you guys. Pray for me. All right.
Man, Aaron, thank you for, for sharing that with us. If you don't know Aaron well, that was a lot bigger struggle than he made it look like, okay? Um, look, I, I want to share this with you guys. Uh, this, it's just incredible what God does. I, listen, Slider family, I know there is nothing exciting about what your dad's going through right now. No one knows that better than me. You feel me? But I know this. God gave me a word about my wife. And she's going to tell you guys some more details later. But Tuesday, she's ringing the bell, which means she's done with cancer. Okay? I told Aaron this morning, look, I was praying for him. And you hear Glenn and I talk about Moravians all the time. This morning, I want to read this for you guys because I'm praying for Aaron. My boss, Steve Ayers, told me when Bethany was diagnosed with cancer, and I shared that with him. He, he made a statement, and it caught me off guard, and it, it hurt me a little bit. But he said, from this day forward, and, and he knows this to be truth because his wife also has recovered from cancer. He said, from this day forward, when somebody says, will you pray for me? You will. So this morning, Aaron, you texted us last night, and so this morning, right off the bat, as I'm, I'm writing and I'm praying, I'm, he is on my mind because I feel that pain, okay? And this is what God said. He said, this is a prayer that's at the end of that reading. It says, redeeming God, you bring righteousness to the wrong and healing to the sick. Help us see your work in the most unlikely places. You guys are in my prayers. I promise you that. And, and I told Aaron this morning when I shared that, I said, man, look, I am, I am always probably overly cautious to speak healing to anybody um, because, man, I, that's just not an area where I want to play, okay? But I believe that's from the Lord this morning. So, and it is not by accident that Aaron this week has received that word and that diagnosis. And last week, what did we talk about? Intercessory prayer. This is not a mistake. Okay, look, I got a long introduction that I wrote. We're probably going to skip through most of that this morning because uh, Aaron has, has done it all. Okay, look, last week we talked about how Peter was imprisoned by Herod and the church, for the first time, we have a recorded instance of them praying together and we see God do God-exclusive activity. God is a God that does that. Okay, when he gives you a word, it will happen. Okay, but I don't want you to live vicariously through me or through Aaron. I want you to go to God and get your own word, whether it's for this or something you're dealing with in your own life. When God says he will do it, it is done. Okay, Mark 11, chapter 24 is on my mind this morning. God gave me a word about that a couple of weeks ago. He said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. That's in reference to the story of the fig tree. You guys probably remember that. Jesus is walking down the road. He's hungry. He sees a fig tree in the distance. He gets there. There's no figs. He curses the tree and walks on. Later that week, they pass by the tree, and the disciples are like, oh, hey, look, it's that fig tree. And it's withered. The leaves are gone, and it's dead. I've always been puzzled by that and thought, what is the relevance of this? And it's just simply this, that, that the Lord is saying, when I say something, count on it. It's done. Okay, so we as a body, I'm going to make this commitment for you because I can and because I want to. We're going to pray. And we're going to get words from God for the Slater family. Okay, so this week um, I had a couple of salesmen in my office, one of which I have a long-standing relationship, another which was brand new, I never met him before. The salesman that I know, he's aware of what's going on in Bethany and I's lives. And, he, and we get done with our, our meeting and he says, um, man, how's your wife doing? And I said, man, she's doing great. And he said, chemo's going okay. And I said, well, I mean, it's chemo. 
but yeah, it's working. And he said, what do you mean it's working? How do you know? And it dawned on me that I had not shared the story that God had told me to share with everybody. So I shared the story that I've shared with you guys so many times about how Bethany went and had a surgery. Doctor came out and said, hey, it's cancer. I prayed the next Monday morning and said, God, I need you to give me a word on what I need to do. And God said, I'm going to heal your wife. He didn't say she didn't have chemo. He wasn't going to have to have chemo. He didn't say that uh, anything other than that. He just said she's going to be healed. Like, just like with Aaron, where he is right now, is it conventional, is it non-conventional? Doesn't matter. She's going to be healed. That's what God told me. So I shared this story with this salesman and this, and this new guy that I'd never met before. And this was his response. Okay? Dean looks at me and he says, man, it must be amazing to have God answer such a huge question in such a personal way. I said, man, you have no idea. Henry Blackaby said this week in one of his devotions, he says, everywhere we go, our lives should demonstrate to others that Christ is victorious. As unbelievers observe our lives, they should become aware of the victorious power of Christ. The only way that happens is if we share our stories. I know every time I get on this platform, you hear me say that, but I can't say it enough. Only way people see who Christ really is is by us letting them in on our lives, okay? So today we're going to see, we're going to move forward in our, in our study. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We're only going to hit three verses today, but there's so much going on in here that we needed to just take our time, okay? The church is growing at an incredible rate at this point, okay? Last week we, we looked at the story of Peter and him being imprisoned and James being killed, uh, and, and if you remember, uh, they went to Antioch, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas goes first. The Holy Spirit says, this is the place you need to do a work here. He goes and gets Paul, uh, which by the way, the scripture says Saul, um, uh, but I'm used to saying Paul. I'm going to flop back and forth today out of, out of just whatever, so just bear with me. I'm talking about the same guy, Saul and Paul, same dude. Um, we were, I was talking with Russ earlier, and the reason for that is Paul is his Gentile name, Saul is his Hebrew name. So depending on which name they use is which crowd they're speaking to. In our scripture today, he's going to say Saul. Paul is what's ingrained in my mind, so that's what you're going to hear me say. Okay, But today we're going to see some very specific examples of how far-reaching the gospel is because there was no division in people's lives. I listened to a sermon this week or, or a, a speech that Lecrae gave at a, um, at a college graduation, a Christian college graduation, and he talked about how we need to to erase the line between secular and sacred, okay? And I bring that up today because in our American culture, in our southern culture, there is very much a division between the sacred and the secular. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Most people, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, when they go to work, that's secular. That's a different part of their lives. Now, Sundays, that's sacred. But the, the two don't ever cross, Okay, what Lecrae is saying, the reason he does ministry, the reason he writes music the way he does is because God's told him to blur that line. And we're going to see today in our scripture that those lines don't even exist. And that's part of the reason that the gospel spreads so rapidly because when God was doing something in somebody's lives, they told everyone. They did not share it at work because they were afraid they might get in trouble. Okay, now that is a reality for some people today. Okay. But you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. If he tells you to share the story, you share the story. Don't work about the consequences. God's got that. Okay? So today we're going to see how far-reaching the gospel is. Okay? Um, so let's just jump right in here. Let's Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Okay? Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called the Niger, Lysias of Cyrene, Mananine, I'm going to 
pronounce that wrong every time probably. I apologize in advance, okay? A lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, okay? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off, okay? So during the, the first year of this new church's life, okay, the church in Antioch, a lot is happening, okay? Right at the beginning of that is when James is killed and Peter is, um, is put in prison and then we see them pray and then the Lord delivers Peter in a way that only the Lord can get credit for. It's obvious that it's not Peter, okay? But here's what I want us to see in, in, in this passage is that the church followed God they obeyed what God was saying despite all the opposition and the threat of the enemy. Look, Glenn talks about all the time, he mentioned it last week, about how the enemy attacks. This week has been phenomenal for me in terms of preparation. Typically, I've told you guys this before, I spend the majority of Saturday um, writing my sermons, okay? Um, Luke, this, this week, said something about, Dad, are you going to be home Saturday? And I said, no, I'm preaching this week. And he's like, man, I hate it when you preach. Oh, somebody quit, get the knife out of my back. This week I made a, a commitment. I'm, I worked extra hard to prep in advance of that, okay? And, and normally for me, a sermon's around 4,000 words, okay? And because uh, I type everything out because I don't want to miss say something because I'm a knucklehead, okay? But by Friday evening, I had half of that done already, okay? I was home by like 1.30, 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Never has happened before, okay? But this morning, I get up. Now, everything's gone great this week. I get up, I have my coffee, I spend time with the Lord, the Lord gives me a word for Aaron, I'm pumped up, I'm like, man, it's going to be a good day. I get ready to, to export my stuff out of the software that I use, and nothing will work, okay? The enemy, man. And I told Beth, and we got in the car, I had music in my ears, and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, man, the enemy's working on me, not today, not today, he's not going to get me, okay? But the enemy is constantly after us. And even in spite of that, in spite of the fact that James is killed and Peter's put in prison, they're going to continue to be obedient to what God has called them to do, okay? They're going to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and as a result of that, they're going to see some amazing things happen, okay? Remember, originally it was Barnabas that went. He felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is the place to start a church. He goes and gets Saul. Saul comes back with him, and they start a church, okay? Now, here we are in Acts chapter, and we don't know amount of time, about a year between where we left off last week and where we are today, but now we see that there are five elders in this church, and when they talk about those five elders, they're also talking about the whole body. They're not just talking about those five guys. So the whole church is gathered together, and they're worshiping and fasting, okay? So in a span of a year, we've grown from two people to a full body of believers, and not only are they meeting together under threat, but they have grown to a place where they can hear and discern what the Holy Spirit is saying, okay? They're not just some people who are cowered in a corner singing some worship songs, these people are actively pursuing the Lord and they're sharing what God is doing in their communities and we know that because the church is growing. That's a shared distinctive for us. I don't know if you guys know that. Glenn preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago about how we were going to see these shared distinctives as we study the new church. But here's a big one for us. I want to read this to you. Anna's going to put it up on the screen for me. This is, one of our, first, this is our first distinctive on mission. Okay, We lead people to know God. The gathering place mission statement is our most significant distinctive. We believe that God has created man to enjoy a personal, intimate relationship with him. The Christian life should be more than just a set of religious lists of things to do. The first way we lead people to know God is by introducing them to Jesus Christ as Savior, 
Following salvation, we believe God will also use us to lead believers to know him in a progressively more intimate way. We will promote intimate moments with God where we learn to discern his will, obey it, and get to know him through obedience. If, you haven't, if you're not a member of this church or you haven't been through new member training, this is one of the first things we do. We say, this is who we are as a church. This is who God has called us to be. Okay, And as the Gathering Place Church, both West and Wardville, we share the same distinctives. Our number one priority is that you would know God, but not just know Him, but know Him progressively. That means we're, we're moving forward. This, this is referenced up there, and Anna popped this up on the screen. This is Philippians 3.10 out of the Amplified Version. It says, And this, so that I may know Him experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in the same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. And that I may share the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed inwardly to his likeness, even to death, as dying as he did. Okay, God is not going to let this idea rest until we get it from here to hear. Just being a member of the church and sitting in the pews, we don't have pews, the chairs, is not enough. The idea that God wants to communicate to us as a body is that we are to know him more progressively, continually. There's not ever going to be a place in my life or in your life where you go, made it, done, mark that off. Okay? If you say that, you have not, in fact, made it. You are far, far from where you need to be. Okay. The norm in our southern culture, Glenn talked about this last week, of how, the church, uh, how they church shopped, right? They, when they moved here from Nashville, they jumped around from church to church looking for a church that suited them and what they needed. Okay? That's our culture that we live in. If you look at the book of Acts, that is not what you see. What you see is people who come to an understanding and realization of who Jesus really was, and they fall deeply in love with him, and right where they are, they're like, all right, God, what's up? What do I need to do? Show me where to go, okay? The example that we see in our text today is a church that is growing and growing rapidly, okay? I want to point this out. This is probably my favorite thing that I learned this week as I was studying the scripture. You know that name I told you I was going to mispronounce? Mannion, Okay. He was raised in Herod the Great's house. Okay, the, the, the grammar there alludes to him being like a foster son. Okay, so Herod, the guy who killed John the Baptist, who just killed James in our, in our text last week, and who Im- imprisoned Peter, his son is not only in the church, he is equated with Paul. He is an elder in the church in the, in the span of a year. Okay, now remember, Herod died. God killed Herod last week. Okay, not last week, but last week in our text. Okay, in the end of chapter 12, Herod wants people to, to worship him as God, and God says, no, boom, done, smote him. Is that smite, smote? He killed him, okay? You're welcome. I got your attention again. Okay, Herod, this guy who killed people, that believed in Jesus, his son, a prince in his household, is an elder at the church in Antioch. Look, far too often, we put a limit, we put a cap on what we think is possible. God wants to blow the roof right off of that. Do you see how incredible this is? 
A prince of the household of Herod is an elder in the church at Antioch. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. And look, last time I preached, last couple of times I preached, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit breaks through cultural barriers. Okay, When, when Peter went to the Gentiles, God broke through the racism barrier there by having him go illegally into a Gentile household and they come to know who the Lord is. In this scripture today, God breaks through the class system. We see lowly men like Peter, and, who is a fisherman, alongside of a guy like Paul, who is the, the Jew of the Jews, okay? Been to school his whole life, knows everything there is to know about God. And then we see a prince. All of these five men are listed in the same sentence, in the same rank. That was uncommon. All of that is happening is because God's people are obeying the Holy Spirit's promptings. They're sharing their stories as God leads, and God is, is blowing it out of the water, okay? For me, this is further proof that as we follow the Holy Spirit, He's going to do work and bring the gospel to places that seem absolutely impossible to us. He is going to show people that we think that are outside of God's reach by our own standards. And He's going to say, oh no, that one's mine. Bring them on in. Consider also what this guy Mannion was giving up. Now, if he's of the household of Herod, we know where Herod's priorities lie. And by Mannion stepping out of that household and into the kingdom of God, he's giving up all of his rights to that kingdom because he's separating himself. He's giving up his comfort. He's giving up his financial security, his safety, and his social status for the sake of the gospel. Look, whatever it is in your mind that you think God can do with you, why don't you just wipe that away? Because it's way more than that. We put caps on ourselves and we say, well, this is what I'm good at. This is what God's gifted me and this is my abilities that I have. This is kind of what God could use me for. Forget it. God's got way more in store for your life if you'll follow him. Okay? No one would have guessed that one of the sons of Herod would have not only been involved in the church but would have been teaching the gospel next thing i want you to see in this passage is they met together for worship and fasting okay here's another shared distinctive of the tgp church we meet together both corporately here on sunday mornings and also in life groups okay but we don't just get together the expectation for us is that when we meet that the holy spirit is going to speak to our body okay we meet together for the expressed purpose of experiencing God together as a body, okay? Look, our corporate experience is always going to be different than our private, right? Okay, when it's just you at home by yourself, spending time with the Lord, that's going to feel and be different than what we do here on Sunday mornings, but both are absolutely necessary. Otherwise, God would not have structured the church. They, these people would not have been meeting together as, a, as the early church if it was not important. What we do here on Sunday mornings is equally as important as what you do privately. And I think a lot of times we think that that's not, the, we, in our minds, it may not be conscious, but subconsciously in our minds we say, well, Sunday morning, you know, I'm kind of tired today. I'm not going to go. We need to get rid of that thinking. Okay? Both are necessary. Both provide us with different things. God could have called Paul and Barnabas privately. When he, in, in our passage today, when he says, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas, he could have done that with Paul and Barnabas privately in their own times. You know why he didn't? 
He didn't because he wanted the church to be involved in that process. You see, when we meet together corporately, when, like when Aaron shared this morning what's going on in his life, God had Aaron do that because he wants you to be involved in that process. Could he have dealt with that with Aaron and his family on his own? Absolutely. But he didn't want to do that because he wants you guys to be able to have a new experience with God praying for him. As they met, the Holy Spirit spoke, and he called Saul and Barnabas out. Okay? God called them to go to a new place, and he released them of their call in Antioch. Okay? God can call you or he can call me to leave TGP West and go to a new place, right? Okay? You need to be willing to be okay with that. Do you hear me? God can call you or me at any point to leave TGP West and go to a new place. And we need to be at a place in our faith and our trust and our understanding of who the Lord is that we are okay with that. God might call you out of your life group to start a new one. You need to be okay with that. A lot of times, and I've heard this from several people over the last couple of weeks, we, we worry about being sent out because... Who's going to do the stuff that I already do? Let me give you an example. Um, ben. I'm going to use Ben for example because I can pick on him. He's okay with it. If God called Ben out, now we have, we have uh, all this stuff that Ben handles that you guys never see that's got to be done, right? And people worry, well, I, I, it can't be me because I, I do all this stuff. And who's going to do it if I'm, if I'm gone, okay? I remember panicking when Scott and Jessica told us that God told them to move to Tyler. I panicked because Jessica was our children's minister. If you guys weren't here when they were here, she was amazing, okay? I, and, and so they're moving, so we're losing our children's ministry, and I'm losing a really good friend, and she's taking her husband with her. That was a joke. I appreciate some of you guys picked up on it. Scott and I are awesome friends. He's incredible, okay? I was, it didn't feel good, right? It was sad that they were leaving, but it was also exciting because God is saying to them, you're leaving Alexandria, but we're sending you to Tyler because I have a work there for you to do. And they're still walking out what that is. And that's awesome, okay? If God calls you from this body, he's also going to release you from this body. Okay? In verse 2 it says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. That's God telling the church at Antioch, okay, set them apart, take them out of the mix. I've got something for them to do. Right? So if you're worried about, well, I do these things, stop worrying about that. Because God, we've talked about this before, God doesn't need you, right? He wants you, but he doesn't need us, okay? God released them from their responsibilities at the church of Antioch. I think, I think it's important that we see that, that God called them, but he also released them, okay? You've heard Glenn say this a lot. God spoke this at a Right Now conference, I believe it was, to, to he and to Lytha, that God is going to send out our very best. Those are going to be the ones that leave, Okay? God took the ones out of the body who were willing to serve and say, yes, I'll go. Okay? They were willing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a really personal question right now. And you don't, don't answer this out loud. This is rhetorical. But I want you to ask yourself this this week. I want you to consider this. Are you willing to go? I, um, I remember reading a book many years ago that came out when David Platt kind of was making his name after he came out, on, out of the seminary and, and began to pastor, and, and I believe it was Birmingham. He wrote a book called Radical, okay? Some of you guys may have read that book, but in that book he talks about, are you willing to write a blank check? Are you willing to say to God, no matter what the cost, 
I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Look, in our church, all of a sudden, we got some openings, okay? Ashley and Levi, I didn't think they were going to be here today. I was going to talk about them. They're here. I guess it didn't work out. Just kidding. It did. Ashley and Levi, God has called them. Okay, they shared their testimony, and, and they're, they are leaving eventually, I guess. We're going to kick them out, okay? But, God, but as they leave, okay, there's going to be some openings, all right? We're going to need another female vocalist, which Caleb was here. Thanks for playing the drums today. Caleb, right? Yes. Nailed it. Okay. He was here playing the drums today. That was awesome, okay? Peyton's gone. We have an opening on Wednesday nights where she was helping us with working with the little kids, okay? Here's the deal. When God calls people out, it fosters growth in the church. God purposely calls the best out for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're the that are, one that are willing to say, yes, I'll go. But it also makes an opening so that those who are not quite at that level of faith yet can take that next little step and say, yeah, I can, I can work with kids on Wednesday nights. Yeah, let me pray about that. And then God gives them a word, and they do, Okay. I used to have a pastor all the time. His name was J. Roddy Taylor. J. Roddy um, had, he was like Aaron, he had the perfect hair, but his was gray, you know, never a piece out of place. And he always did this thing with his leg, where he, and he had these suit pants that were huge. It was almost like MC Hammer pants. And I always would watch his leg, because he would do like this when he was preaching. I don't know if it was the Elvis thing, maybe. Um, but J. Roddy always talked about going to the next level in your faith. Almost every Sunday, he talked about going to the next level in your faith, okay? He wanted us to understand that we never need to stop growing. That, that when we get to this level, okay, then the next one is what we're looking for. We're moving forward all the time, okay? That's precisely what God is trying to do in my life and in your life. Wherever you are right now, you don't need to be content with that. If you're getting to a place where you're comfortable, are you asking God what's next? Because that's what's on the to-do list, okay? Um, if you found yourself in the last couple of weeks thinking, Phew, I was Ashley Levi, I think I called, not me, you're next, okay, that's coming, that's coming, look, I want to tell you guys a quick story, Um, none of the stories I tell are quick, but I'm going to do my best, Bethany and I moved to Rockwall, Texas back in like, I don't know, 2008, 2009, the years blend together when you get old like me, Um, but we we went over there to help plant a church, and then God brought us back home, and when we got back home, um, my parents had never met Glenn and Talitha before, but they had a mutual friend, my dad ran into Glenn, they, they were introduced, and, and Glenn said, man, how are Will and Bethany doing? Dad said, well, they moved back to town, and Glenn said, oh, man, that's awesome. Tell them they need to, here, give me my number, tell them we need to get together for lunch. And so we did. So Glenn and Bethany and Talitha and I got together for lunch at a little Mexican restaurant, and that was after all of the fallout and stuff that happened at Donahue, and, and Glenn had accepted uh, the, the proposition to come back and be the pastor, and he said, look, we, we need some youth pastors, um, but we don't have any money. Um, so will you guys pray about that? And I said yes, because that's the culturally acceptable thing to do. But in my mind, I'm thinking, no way, I need a job, right? That's logical, okay? And I was working at Petron, but in my mind, like, Bethany and I had always been on paid staff somewhere. Like, we worked for the church. And so what made sense to me and what I thought I needed, what I thought was going to, because the time in Rockwell, that's another story, but it was very, very difficult time in our lives, very difficult, okay? And, and we needed to heal, and what I thought I needed was to go back to the normal that, that I had experienced before. But God knew better than that. And so Glenn asked me and Bethany to volunteer at the church. I'm thinking I need a paying job because I don't like the one I'm in right now. And, and so, but I said, yes, I'll pray about it because that's what you're supposed to do. And then I made the mistake of actually praying about it. Okay? 
Two or three days later, I called Bethany, and I said, look, um, I really feel like God's telling us that we need to do this for free. And she said, yeah, God's telling me the same thing. I said, all right. So I said, I'll call Glenn. So I called Glenn. I said, look, we've been praying about this, and we feel, really feel like God's telling us to do this for free, that we need to just volunteer our time. And he started laughing, and I was like, well, why is that funny? He said, God told me that two days ago. But how you tell a man he's going to work for free? Only the Holy Spirit can do that. <laughs> right about that. So look, Bethany and I had an idea in our mind of what we, what we thought we needed, okay? But God was calling us to something higher than we'd, been, than we'd done before. He was, he was calling us to do something that was outside of what we expected. And we obeyed. And, and then here we are, what, almost 10 years later, and I've never been a part of anything better. The next thing that we see that God did in, in the early church is that he built a solid foundation, okay? Just like God took his time with the church in Antioch, he took a year, God has been doing the same thing for us. He's been taking his time, building our level of faith for the very same purpose of sending people out to plant churches, okay? Um, I thought about this while I was running this week, um, there's a road that our house is on that's owned by the National Forest, and it has always been terrible. Huge potholes, like to like this car would get lost in one. Bad, okay? I, my old Tahoe had these, like, beauty ring center hubcap things that you had to pry off with a pry bar to change the tire. I hit a pothole one night because uh, it was dark and lost one, okay? It, it, was, it was bad. Well, recently they came in, and they, they resurfaced the road. Okay, so that happened two weeks ago. I went for a run this week, and there's a huge pothole in the brand new resurfaced road. You know what the problem is? The foundation. When I was a kid, that was a gravel road. Well, the way that the Forest Service stuff works is when they, when they harvest some of the lumber, a certain percentage of it has to go back into the, the infrastructure. Okay, and so they had harvested a bunch of trees, and they had this money they had to spend, and they said, well, let's make this dirt road a blacktop road, and so they came in and just graded the road, put tar and crushed limestone on top of it, boom, surfaced road, okay, but they never prepared the foundation, and so now here we are 20 years later, and every time those potholes show up, they fill them full of hot tar and gravel, and they move on, but they've never addressed the foundation. Look, guys, God started a new work with the gathering place because he wanted a group of people that he could build a solid foundation that he could build in upon. That's what God is doing here, okay? If you were not aware, if you've been asleep for the last couple of years, this is a church plant. This is the second iteration of the gathering place. And, and the, the members that came with us to this location were a church plant. And that was not the end. This is only the beginning, okay? I told you, Glenn called me this morning and said, man, this stuff in Honduras with Dario, God's fixing to blow up TGP, not physically blow up, but things are going to get really good in Honduras, okay? I can feel it. It's happening. The Holy Spirit is speaking, okay? God wants us to be a solid, solid foundation. And listen, the only way that happens, when they, when they compact a road, <laughs> what is that book we have for the kids? Uh, Roll it flat. There's a, we have a little children's book. I can't remember it now. It rhymes. It's cute. Okay? When that happens, there's pressure. When you build a foundation, there's pressure. When you build a house on a concrete foundation, that concrete foundation is receiving the pressure of that house, the weight of that house. Listen, don't buy in to the gimmick that the Christian life is going to be easy and live your best life now and get all the money you ought to have. That's not real. But here's what is real, is that when you're going through something difficult, the God of the universe, the God who created us with, with his words, is right there walking through you with it, okay? Look, 
God is trying to avoid problems before they have ever happen in the life of our church. And he's doing that by taking his time to build a solid foundation in us. So don't feel bad about letting the Lord take his time. Okay? I don't want you to walk out of here today feeling pressured from will because I'm not doing the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. What I want you to walk out here today is going, God, show me where I need to, where I need to step up. Okay? Don't feel bad about allowing God to take his time. God took, has taken three years to develop the foundation here at TGP. Okay? But now he's saying through our study that it's time. Our foundation is good. It's time to start sending. Okay? Look, we're all in different places. Okay? You and I are in a different place. God has a specific call for me here, and I'm fulfilling that role. Okay? But we don't need a whole bunch of me's. We need you to be you and to do what God's called you to do. Okay? So I want you to ask yourself this week. You can put this in a life group question. What's the next level for you? Based on where you are, what do you know God's calling you to do next? Is it going to be difficult? Yes. Is it going to require faith? Yes. But that's what you have that life group for is to help you walk that out. Okay? The next thing we see is that they were completely submissive to the Holy Spirit. Okay? This was true of the leadership and the entire congregation. Okay? This passage isn't about just those five men that are listed. It's about the whole church. The whole church was part of this experience. Okay? And as a body, the whole church obeyed. The whole church obeyed. They sent Barnabas and Paul out. Look, let's, let's be honest for a minute. Can y'all be honest with me for a minute? Can we be real? Okay? That's not easy. Look, we like our life groups. We really enjoy them. I'm nervous about mine for a couple of reasons. We've got three elders in my life group, all of which could lead a life group, but God has allowed us to be together for a certain amount of time. Also, we all... Most all have foster kids and are dealing with cancer. So, um, you may not, I don't know if it's contagious or what, but be careful, okay? But look, we like our life groups. We like our church. We like the way it feels, okay? It's not fun necessarily to consider that God may be calling you to something new. Now, if you're like Levi, who's like, woohoo, let's do it, okay? It's easy, all right? If you're like me, who there's nothing worse in this entire world than packing up a house and moving, I would detest going somewhere else, okay? I would fight it tooth and nail, but I would obey, okay? It's not necessarily fun to consider this stuff, okay? But here's the deal, though. Consider this for a moment. What are we giving up by not obeying the Holy Spirit? You know, we think about what we're, what we're gaining by not listening, but what are we giving up? By refusing to ask or obey what God's calling us to do, we're stagnating not only our own growth, but the growth of the body. Now, can God work around that? Absolutely. He can redeem anything. Okay? But when we are unwilling to ask and then obey what God is calling us to do, our directive for us personally, we're not making those vacant places that somebody else needs to step up into. We're 